Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Joining me for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, welcome back. Happy New Year. Hope you've been able to enjoy a bit of downtime. It's great to be back on the mic with you to kick off 2022 and looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks, Dan. It's good to be with you. Hopefully you're well and everyone else is well, too. Thank you, Shane. So a lot to catch up on since we last spoke. Maybe we can begin with the Omicron variant of COVID-19, of course, has continued to spread and disrupt activity across the country on many fronts. Now, I recall this past Tuesday, we did hear from President Biden. Uh, He did meet with his response team and he did take a few moments to address the nation. So what have we been hearing lately from the White House on this, Shane? And how is the White House approaching the fight against the spread? Yes, with the Omicron variant, you know, we've seen a surge in cases and and that has actually uh, gotten the attention of President Biden, the White House and lawmakers. Um, you know, the daily averages of, of new people of, of positive tests has skyrocketed. And uh, this week, I think we've had a few days over a million, do- a million people testing positive. So, uh, President Biden and his administration are, you know, trying to pivot and, you know, uh, do their best to try and reassure people that they're uh, trying to get this under control. I think um, there are a couple of main messages from the Biden team and President Biden, which is first that, you know, vaccinations do work. You know, while it may not prevent you from actually testing positive, it is preventing people from being uh, seriously ill from COVID and requiring hospitalization. So that is a message you're trying to reinforce. Uh, additionally, you know, testing is, 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 there is more tests available, yet there's such an increased demand that, you know, they really need to do uh, more to get more test availability out to citizens who want to be tested. So that is something that I think the Biden administration is going to be uh, focusing on uh, keenly in the coming days and weeks. Additionally, you kind of see this um, little bit of a transition where uh, the Biden administration kind of now sees as as that, you know, we're not going to defeat COVID this year. You know, we're still going to be talking about COVID uh, for probably years to come. So it's kind of how we going to be living uh, in this COVID world for, you know, 2022 and, and probably beyond. Thank you for some clarity there on the position of the White House and some updates on how the White House is responding to this latest variant spread. I'm sure we'll follow up on the response efforts in the weeks to come. So reflecting on Tuesday, this was via a press poll. We did hear from Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat of West Virginia. Of course, Senator Manchin, uh, the spotlight was placed on him late last year with respect to Build Back Better, which did not materialize, though it would appear based on on the senator's remarks this week, different year, same position. So with that in mind, Shane, is there a path forward for a trend version of Build Back Better to perhaps materialize here in 22, or might this initiative be placed on the back burner for now? Well, I think it's on the back burner for now, but that doesn't mean it's on the back burner for, you know, weeks or months to come. I think it's on the back burner for now, as, you know, Senator Manchin has pretty much stated, and what you're seeing now is Senate Democrats uh, 
pivoting to voting rights um, and filibuster reform for the moment. I think their plan is to work on those issues uh, next week, maybe the week after, and then try to come back to, to the Build Back Better Act and see if they can have some fruitful negotiations. You know, this was a little bit stalled this week because the Senate was supposed to come back and vote this week and be in session where senators could have really started to hash this out. But between um, the winter weather and the death of former Senator uh, Johnny Isaacson, um, really the Senate's not uh, the Senate's not voting. And so uh, as a consequence, not many senators are in town. So uh, the schedule got delayed a little bit. Um, but on the Build Back Better Act, you know, where is this heading? There, Democrats will make go at it again. You know, I, I think you're looking for a little bit of a, a, a slim down bill in, in size and scope. Um, you know, I think, you know, the, the, uh, some of the energy components that, uh, Senator Manchin is not happy about, you know, remember, uh, that he is from West Virginia, a coal state. So he's looking for more kind of, uh, energy neutral, uh, legislation. You know, he's not against, uh, climate change policy. He just doesn't want to have it, uh, be definitive against, um, you know, fossil fuels like coal. Uh, additionally, a big one for him is where we're heading with the child tax credit. Um, he wants kind of two main things here. One, honest uh, budgetary accounting. You know, uh, the bill uh, as presented by the House would be a one-year extension. And to him, that's not being fully honest because, you know, we'll, we'll, you're probably, you know, there's a good chance legislators will vote and uh, keep renewing it. So having a one-year extension of a program that costs $160 billion is not honest when we may end up extending it for a full 10 years, which would be $1.6 trillion. So that's a big difference there. Uh, additionally, he'd like to see some work requirements with this. So, you know, um, there is absolutely a path uh, to something getting done here, but, you know, will that come to fruition um, is an unknown right now. I think we have to see, you know, when senators come back into town and get a good temperature check and see if they can uh, um, come together on something. Okay, so perhaps we will hear more about this as the year progresses, but thank you, Shane, for the update on Build Back Better and more recently what we've been hearing from Senator Joe Manchin. So perhaps we can pivot a bit, turn to geopolitics. Now, it was interesting, I noticed this week, we did see that the United States, the United Kingdom, China, Russia, and France, they all made a pledge to avoid nuclear war. Now, this against the backdrop of tensions involving these nations on an assortment of fronts. So what prompted this joint statement chain and what is the significance of it? Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, in one respect positive to hear the five major countries say that we're not going to have a nuclear war, but also concerning because if you have to make that statement, you know, it raises eyebrows. And, and you're right, there's a, a lot going on here, you know, um, start with Russia amassing troops along its border with Ukraine, um, which has, you know, raised alarm bells in the U.S., uh, the U.K., and France. Um, and then with China, you know, they have been, uh, their military has been very active um, in the, the seas surrounding China um, and their aggression towards um, the island of Taiwan. So, you know, uh, it, it's very concerning 
and a lot of saber rattling going on here. So it was good to see, you know, the five world largest nuclear powers, you know, uh, pledge that we wouldn't have a nuclear war. Um, but, you know, I think as this year plays out, this is going to be an issue we're watching um, closely uh, for its impact on, you know, all these countries, but also the markets. And when I say watching, I mean, you know, not for nuclear war, but the relations between these com- uh, countries. You know, um, there's a lot of tensions, as, as I mentioned. And so, you know, I think this is kind of the wild card for us as we think about the year ahead. And, you know, um, it's start- I guess you could say it's starting off on the right foot by saying there's not going to be a nuclear war. But, um, you know, it is something that tensions are probably going to remain throughout the year. Hopefully the tensions will simmer down. Um, and not boil over. Right. Well, many geopolitical topics I'm sure we will touch on as the year goes on. I know recently we've spoken about Russia, Ukraine, of course, for seemingly years now. We've spoken about the U.S. and China, so more to come there. But thank you for the clarity around this most recent development, Shane. So to close out, coming back stateside, President Biden, Vice President Harris, we heard from House Speaker Pelosi as well, uh, today marking the one-year anniversary of the Capitol Hill insurrection. Um, I recall a year ago today watching the events as they unfolded real time. So what did we hear today from President Biden on this anniversary, Shane? And what is the latest with respect to that select committee which was assembled to investigate the events which occurred on that day? Yeah, President Biden uh, went to the Capitol uh, to address uh, the nation, if you will, about uh, what happened a year ago and, you know, kind of the path our country is heading down and, you know, in his mind, you know, you have two options. He, he did not pull any punches. You know, he took a strong stance uh, against the actions of former President Trump and, you know, essentially held him uh, responsible for the events on the 6th uh, of last year. So, you know, uh, it, it, um, in some respects, you know, it was important for him to take a tough stance. In other respects, it's uh, troubling because, you know, it, it sends um, Republicans to that corner where they they feel the need to defend themselves. So it really um, sets a further division between the two parties. Um, I do think, you know, you're right to, to point out this um, January 6th uh, select committee uh, in the House of Representatives. Um, that, you know, I think is, has begun work. It's a nine member committee. Um, and they have held a few hearings and, but they've interviewed, I think, over 300 individuals. I think the committee plans to hold public hearings throughout the first half of the year and then will issue, uh, an interim report sometime in the summer. So their work continues, but, you know, we're seeing some leaks now, um, and uh, also, you know, former Trump officials who are cooperating. Um, you know, I think we've all seen the notables who are uh, who are not cooperating with this committee. But there are a lot of former Trump officials that are cooperating. So this is going to produce some very interesting information in the coming weeks and months and will be a storyline uh, that you're going to hear and see about uh, and read about uh, this year. 
and will probably be top of mind uh, as the year progresses. Right. Another topic we will pay close attention to, especially, I'm sure, as we make our way to the midterm elections coming up in November. But uh, Shane, thank you for covering all of the ground that you did with our clients, our listeners today on the podcast. Uh, Great to be back with you to kick off the year. Uh, Looking forward to our conversations as the year progresses, and we'll look forward to picking back up with you again next week. Looking forward to it, Dan. Looking forward to our great 2022. I hope you're well. Happy New Year, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate it. And again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So as a reminder to our listeners, our clients, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which can be located on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.